Welcome everyone to the final episode of the Nodotaku Gaming Podcast for the calendar year 2021. As usual, my co-host is here with me, Robin. How has your 2021 been? An okay year, gaming-wise. It's been a pretty good year, as always. Lots of good games. There were good games. I didn't play many new releases this year I've, I've played a lot of old releases but i also think that my life situation um uh played a huge factor because i moved towns went to a new house etc whatever so just kind of i guess settling into the new groove figuring out when i have the time to play because it's very weird for me like i don't play games like i could be there could be a weekend right and i'm like I'm free, right? Like, like technically, I'm free, but I can't mm-hmm. start playing unless I have allocated at least a good six, five-hour chunk where there's nothing I'm doing because I want to feel free enough to just dive into a game. And what ended up happening is because I was so tired, I didn't want to start new games. I wanted to like do comfort zone stuff, so I was playing. I replayed Horizon. I replayed um, Cyberpunk. I replayed a lot of games uh, just because it was like comfort zone stuff. Um, but I did play a few yeah, new releases, that. so that's kind of what those those made my list. And uh, uh, there'll be one honorable mention that you'd be like, "What? How can that make your list? You played it for like an hour." But the hour that I played was actually really good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Hey, look, man. The conditions are simple. Did it come out in twenty twenty one? And two, did you play it? That's it. You don't even have to finish it. That's great. So Skyrim is our game of the year 2021. Congratulations to Bethesda Software. Why are you saying our? It can be yours, <laughs> not mine. Come on. It's ours. <laughs> I haven't even played Skyrim. You know me. Wait, what? Are you serious? How many times do I have to tell you this? <laughs> this is just... <this> <sighs> It's just something that I, I feel like I erase from my mind because it just can't be true. <laughs> no, I have not played Skyrim and I do not intend to until Papa Phil puts the next-gen version on Game Pass. For some reason, he hasn't done that, despite owning Bethesda. It's because it still sells, man. It still does sell. Hey man, part of his promise was I'll put all these games on Game Pass. He's breaking the promise right now. One one floor from Papa Phil. Actually, speaking of that, this has been an absolute banger of a year for Xbox. Like just incredible. Just absolutely incredible year. And you know how I can tell? Because Zambia is mostly Sony fanboys, and they're like, oh, this year was kind of meh, and it's like, nah, this year was actually very, very good. <laughs> very, very good, especially if you're uh, on Xbox or Game Pass, which is $10 a month, and gives you the access to over a thousand games, etc, etc. Stop shilling! <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's been a pretty good year from, from Xbox Game Studios. I have liked two of the xbox game studios games i've played most of the other uh i played flight sim for a few hours i don't know if that no flight sim came out last year 
Yeah, but the console but like, version came out this year, I believe. Yeah, but does that make it count? I guess so. <laughs> I guess yeah, it does. Weird. Anyway, I think I've played like three XGS games, and I've liked two. So th- th- that's a pretty good hit rate. It is, it is, it is. I'm, I'm wondering, I, ho- I hope it's not a case of this was their um, like shotgun round where they just like blew the load, and then we won't have another year like this from them for another like four years or something. Um, I don't think so. Isn't From what I can tell, as far as I can tell, XGS is going to get better as the gen goes by. Because, like, big as Halo is, Starfield's probably going to be bigger, if we are honest. Yeah. I feel like, you know, that's when they're really going to kick off, once Starfield comes out. That's true. like the big, okay, now XGS is here. True, true. Well, before we go any further, talking about the year, let's kind of go through our format for Game of the Year. Same as last year, top three ranked, even though this, this, this heathen here will be like, I can't rank my games, just like last year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, top three. We'll go through our top three ranked, and before we do that, we can um, talk about our special, um, like special mentions for the year. So I guess you can start with your, um, with yours, like your special mentions. Robin. Uh, honorable mentions, honorable, stuff yeah. that doesn't get into my top three. Uh, let's just start. Well, first, the Neo, the world ends with you breaks my heart that it can't make my top three honestly but uh it is what it is uh, did that game did that game make a buzz because here's the thing like i remember where we won was like a niche game that like the cool kids played and they're like man you haven't played rpgs till you played the world ends with you but like nobody played it and then it came out on mobile like phones if I recall, and, and still nobody played it. Still nobody played it. And then when two was announced, which I didn't think was gonna happen, I was like, okay, here we go, switch, switch boost. But I, no, in no. my circles, it didn't make the noise that I think it should have made. Thing is, it really feels like near the world's ends with you was closure for people like me who played. The first game all those years ago, it just it literally feels like oh, closure to a lot of plot threads, closure to you know in the mobile release they started you know introducing more stuff. So like oh, it was closure to that, closure to things which we had wanted to see, all the way back in the DS game. That's how that game felt like. So it really. In a lot of ways, it feels like it was a game for older fans. Is that why it didn't sell well? No, it didn't sell well because it wasn't marketed properly. Square decided to give focus other things. And yeah, I, I think it had a chance. Oh yeah, plus, you know, they made it EGS exclusive on top of that. Late PC release. You know, these days, you've got to release your games on PC. So... Switch Boost didn't do enough. It didn't get Nintendo Direct appearance. Instead, we got an appearance by the cloud version of Guardians of the Galaxy. There's a lot I can say that went wrong with the marketing. A lot. But at the end of the day, I think as a game for the fans, it accomplished what it needed to do. Okay. 
So how can you I, sell Neo ends with Neo the world ends with you to um like listeners out there like people who they've heard it they're like eh I'll pass like how do you tell them like no don't pass like this is why you should play this game I can't sell it to you if you haven't played the first game and I think that's one of the problems like one of the actual critiques I have of the game like you know if if I'm going to put my bias aside and actually be critical of the game that's one of my main critiques that without playing the first game it it just it's it's just not as special but when you have played the first game it 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 warms your heart to play that game to see so much of what made the first game special and what hasn't been replicated all these years later so many rpgs very few of them you know there's there's this common saying among fighting game fans I'll use a fighting game fans that fighting game developers don't play other fighting games because they have features which are in other games but they just can't copy. And with Neo and with The World Ends with You, a game that came out in 2007 or 2008. It's got lots of stuff which people haven't copied, which they should have copied. And it feels like the first game to get all those things back is this sequel after all these years because it's made by mostly the same people. Yeah. So, that's why as I said, it's hard to sell it to somebody. that's a, a critique but as a fan of the first game it's fantastic as a fan of action rpgs it is also fantastic fantastic it does a lot right it's unique quality of life features interesting battle system there's a lot to love but like i've said that's probably why it's in honorable mentions the reliance on the old on the older game okay Okay. I and they should have done the Bayonetta thing uh where they just put the first one in there as well. That helped. I know that oh, helped a lot. I know that got a lot of oh, the like, pro- people into the, Bayonetta. Oh, here's the thing. It's complicated. The first game was really weird. Is it one of those it was, DS was, like second yes. screen type things? Oh, okay. Yes. And then the the port that came to Switch was based on the mobile port. and the mobile port has got completely different style of gameplay and the port that came to switch you basically have to play it kind of like on your handheld mode you can't play it on your tv properly so because of that it also couldn't come to ps4 so they couldn't bundle it with the ps4 you, you see where i'm going with this uh, it's okay yeah huh. yeah so they couldn't do that so in the end they had to market it well they didn't The game itself is extremely extremely reliant on the first game and that is to its benefit and detriment to getting new fans but as you know I love it for what it is and that's why I guess it would def- it's my only honorable mention if I would say that okay cool I guess I also have only one honorable mention because like I said I didn't play many games that released this year and that would be uh Ratchet and Clank the the hour or so that I played of that game I was like damn this is this is actually really good um and I played around a lot in that game. like I I <laughs> I was messing around the levels a lot just trying to see how it works like this is the best looking game I have seen 
this year for sure. Like the, like graphically, just like visually, definitely the best looking game. And I've played a few minutes of Kenna. Uh, I think if I played more of Kenna, it would make my my um, honorable mentions list, or maybe even my top three. But I haven't played enough of that yet. Um, you, you, you should play it in time. I, I yeah I, I I will do it. It's it's on my list for sure. It's what I'm gonna play this this holidayish period. Um, yeah, Russian and Clank, man. Like the gameplay, uh, it controls really, really well. Like it's really tight, really snappy. Um, the visuals, like I said, are super, super good. The voice acting was amazing. Um, again, I didn't play much of it, but you know that feeling when you're playing a game. You're like, okay, this is special, and I feel like. I don't know. I don't know if people are tired of the IP or or it just doesn't appeal to a certain kind of audience. I really feel like that game should have been bigger than it was. It was big, yes, but I don't think it got the hype it deserves. Uh, I think it's excellent. And that, that's an interesting argument that it didn't get what it deserves. I, I know really think that a it's lot... top echelon spider-man level you know like maybe not last of us two level but i do think it's one of the big boys and i don't think it got the big boy treatment you see this is tricky because i think for the most part insomniac's writers didn't turn up the way they did like for spider-man insomniac's writers in spider-man they really stepped up you can tell so, you know, it, it's different. I guess that, you know, emotional attachment isn't there. Yeah. Because, like, for the most part, I don't think, you know, Ratchet is not the best character. He's not very charismatic. Yeah, yeah, no, I get so that. I, I get that. Um, uh, hopefully, for the next... I, I think, like, for, for this game, they're really going for, like, T for team. Maybe even E audience. Like they were really trying to broaden the <laughs> the audience a lot. So they, they couldn't really like do super interesting stuff. Not that you can't do interesting stuff in a in a with a, you know something rated E or whatever. Like you can, but it's I think it's a little bit harder um to to do, I think. Yeah. I guess, I guess. Okay, with that said, we'll go into your number three, quote-unquote, number one, actually, but number three. <laughs> because alphabetical order is superior when you can't rank one game as clear of everyone else. Sure. It's been, a, it's, been, it's been a hard year, to be honest. Like, for... I think the gaps in quality this year are bigger than the gaps in quality last year. Like... Last year, I genuinely struggled to rank. <laughs> like, like even from all the way one up to fifteen, if you have to say, I would struggle to rank because there were just such small gaps in quality. This year, it's like I have played a lot, but there's like a few things which are just so so clear. They're like, okay, these are way better than anything else I've played this year. Like the quality really stands out so 
I will start, because I'm going in alphabetical order, I will start with Metroid Dread by Mercury Steam, published by Nintendo, or co-developed by Nintendo, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, what, I guess, what can I say? Metroid Dread, first off, it just oozes quality. You see, when people talk about that Nintendo CEO of quality, it's usually like a meme or a joke. But with Metroid Dread, you, you, you can literally feel it that, okay, there's a level of polish here that is it's quite high. High level of polish. It's a really short game, but it knows what it's doing. It's a very focused game. If you like Metroidvanias without the Vania, you know, the Metroid part, you'll get that in abundance. The going through areas, backtracking constant uh, power-ups. Metroid games have always been shorter, right? But that's kind of to their advantage. So like Metroid games are usually much, they're much, you you get, you know, you know that that dopamine you get when you unlock a new power in a Metroidvania? Yep, yep. Yeah, in Metroid, you are getting that after, after like every half hour because the game is so short. So like there's just constant new powers being thrown at you. You go into a new area, then you exit that area, and then you go into that new area again through another door. And it's just structured in such a way that those dopamine releases are extremely constant. It, that's what I mean. Like is this high quality? And then in addition to that, you know, it is also very polished. Graphically, for a Switch game, it is it's insane. It's probably it's probably like the best looking Switch game uh, next to like SMT Five, which I will talk about later. But yes, it's probably graphically it's consistent, great art style, achieves what it sets out to do. It's like uh, this screams of a developer who knows the limitations of their hardware. They know what they know exactly what they're trying to achieve. Everything it feels like, like I said, focused, extremely focused. Story-wise, there's, you know, you know, a Metroid game won't be known for its story, right? But this one, it does what it's trying to do well, in my opinion. It achieves what it's trying to do story-wise. Samus's characterization is not horrendous. <laughs> And plus, the characterization actually exists. You can tell it's been played by oh, it's been made by people who who have played the old Metroid games, who know what people like about Metroids one through four. And I guess it goes back. Why did people like Metroids one through four? Uh, again, the whole thing was all about feeling like this high quality experience with fantastic pacing which would give you that dopamine whenever you unlock new powers you'd, you'd get that so often in the old Metroid games and, and the combat despite all the years one, later yeah all these years later this Mercury Steam know that they know what to do and they've also you know they've maintained their really good combat from the older from their remake from 2017 so it's like it feels like you're going back home like ah this feels exactly like I knew it. I got into Metroid this year. Like, 
So, and yet I could still feel that feeling. So, it, it's it's kind of a running theme you see with a lot of this year's games, where it's like, oh, it's good because it's like, it's it's what was done before, but yeah. just to a whole new level. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad. So that applies. Um, is good and did well and very surprising that they were like, yep, this is, this is that that dread that was announced. And you're like, okay, very, very cool. <laughs> and it's selling well, which is excellent for once. Jeez. Hopefully the next Castlevania sells well. That's Konami, God damn it. But like, yeah, hopefully Konami the next... Konami are not making another game. <laughs> Castlevania, if it does come out, because they're shipping out their IP to studios or whatever, or renting them, whatever. Hopefully the next one also sells well. Because I, I think um, audiences are now, like, thanks to indie games, audiences now know what to expect from these kinds of games. So they can definitely um, sell well. So that's, that's good. I'll definitely get my hands on that the next time I'm, I've got a, a switch in my hands. Yeah, you should. It's a good time. And it's short, you you know how adults are always complaining that games are too long these days. <laughs> Speaking of good short experiences, my number three is a game that had been I had anticipated for at least maybe even three years, uh, and that's Sable. It's a little indie game, but I don't even know who the publisher. Who's the publisher? Just let me check. Uh, publisher is Raw Fury. The developer is Shedworks. I think that this developer is like, it's either like three people. It's a really small game. It's an exploration game. That's literally all it is of um, uh, a, um, I believe they are nine ban- ban- non-binary. Is they either non-binary or it's a woman? I'm just going to go with they. Um, where they are going, they are searching for their clan in like a desert environment and the art style is what really pulled me in the first time like every, the, the first time i saw it it was like on twitter it was like some gif um you know one of those random gifs that goes viral from like a dev and i was like damn this art style is, is very unique like what's what's going on here and every time it, a new like short video popped up i be like oh how far is this and it's like oh you know indie dev things you, you do come when it's ready and it popped up on a few um, uh, conferences, um, and it came out uh, late later in the year this year. And I binged it. It's a really good game. Uh, it it's it has indie game open world junk because it is kind of open world, and it's just puzzles. Like it's just puzzles, and that's something that I have missed in games where it's just you know like the classic puzzles you know like you get into a quote-unquote dungeon and it has puzzles not many games give me that anymore and sable gave me that experience if you're a fan of like real zelda games (laughs) uh sable gives you that feeling you know and um i mean heck even i guess if you're a fan of like say Breath of the Wild, it is like an open space. There's really nothing in the open world per se, but it's, it's just kind of exploration and vibes. Uh, and then... And yeah, it doesn't really have a story uh, per se. It's got no combat either, so 
it's mostly just exploration and puzzle solving and just cool vibes man like it's a good the music is good i'll say that the music is very very good um it's i've been listening to the music as well um uh, my shout for best soundtrack actually might be sable maybe it's because you're doing nothing in the game and you're just listening to music most of the time so that might be why uh, i'm biased in that sense but yes the music is very good uh, the gameplay is not like super tight or whatever, but like you're, you're mostly there for the vibes and the, the puzzles. Yeah, that is my number three, Sable. You should try it out if you like puzzles and ambience and all that stuff. Yeah, it seems like the sort of game, like, you just say, you know what, I'm kind of upset, I want to chill. Yep, And then you chill. just say, I'm just going to chill, this game will last me a few hours, let me play it. Mm-hmm. And uh, looking at it visually, it is, it, it, it's nice to look at. That's what I can say. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's that's the first thing that grabbed me. It's it's, it's one of those really. Like, the first thing like, you know, mo- you know, most people like obviously the first comparison because they sad. They'll be like, oh, it's Journey. It's like, oh you know, yes. Because <laughs> you know that's lazy, but yeah, uh, it, it, it's the first thing to think of, I guess. That's good. You should you should uh, try it out if that's your thing. It's very much uh, an acquired an acquired taste. I don't think so. Like if you're if you're okay with no combat <laughs> and just ambience, try it. If that's not your thing, do not because it, it, you bounce off a bit super hard. Uh, but if if you're looking for puzzles and exploration, this is your game. Okay, Sable. Yeah. My next pick. On Game Pass, by the way. Not my... Thank you, Shill. <laughs> right. Uh, my next pick is not on Game Pass. And it is not ranked. It is b- because it is in alphabetical order. I will keep insisting that my list is in alphabetical <laughs> order. I have three number ones. Because everyone can be number one. You see, I- I'm trying to send a positive message. But... <laughs> My second game is Returnal by Housemark, published by Sony or PlayStation Studios, whatever they call them. Let's be honest, this is your real number one. You've been raving about this game ever since it came out. You're like, oh my gosh, Returnal is the best thing. Because it's so the least. bread and butter on both ends. <laughs> because it's so the least and it probably needs the most chilling, you know. Really? You show Game least, Pass, but Game like, Pass has... Two months, people were just talking about Returnal. Yeah, but talking doesn't relate to sales. Bloodborne is the most talked about PS4 exclusive, but it hasn't sold more than God of War. You see, yes, I have shielded heavily for Returnal, which is weird. I've never played a Housemark game before Returnal, so it may seem funny that I was shilling, but it's like immediately I saw Returnal. Like, just the first look at the game, I could tell that, oh, okay, this will be something special. (laughs) Okay, first of all, what is not to love about a woman on an alien planet, and those aliens actually look cool, and then you have loads of weapons, and then on top of that, the enemies shoot lasers like it's a light show. Like, that description on its own 
is what you get from the first trailer. And if that doesn't sell you, it says more about you than it does about how, how smart. <laughs> of course, the other reason why you couldn't have played it is because it's on a console which is which people are finding very hard to find. And I'm sorry, and I feel bad for you that you haven't played Return. Anyway, I think why is Return? Maybe, maybe. But anyway, why is Returnal good? At its heart, Returnal is good simply because it plays really well. Housemark, when it comes to the gameplay department, are a developer who absolutely know their thing. Like, they were known for making arcade games. So, when they decided to transition to third person, obviously they would... They're the kind of devs, they wouldn't do that lazily. They knew what they were doing when they were making their transition. They knew what they had to preserve from their past experience. They know what people like in the third person uh, shooter space. And they knew their hardware. Again, similar thing, you know your target hardware, and so you work around that. So Returnal has, you know, just the simple act of shooting something in return. If you nail that in a third-person shooter, you've already scored 7 out of 10 points. Eternal nails that. Shooting feels very good in Eternal. Your hit effects, your hit impact is very good. Your movement feels good. Celine, Celine is the main character of Eternal, by the way. Celine dashes around the arenas so freely. If you don't feel restricted. You feel like... Everything you're doing, you're in control. But at the same time, it's fast and it's fluid. And it's visually stimulating because, like I said, the enemies, their attacks are like laser light shows. Mm. So, which is, you know, keeping in line with the arcade roots. So, that sort of thing, it's just like, just holding the controller in your hand, looking at it, playing it, is a joy already. And then you bolster it. On top of that, you've got... An amazing art style. Always, graphics are better than art style. Returnal does not look as good as Ratchet Clank. And you can argue art-wise, but for my personal taste, the art style is much nicer in Returnal. Mm, I think technically, like, like particle effects and like... Substance scattering and shit. Returnal is better, I think. Like, in terms like, like, like... That's like, the fact that Returnal like runs at sixty FPS to me is mad. Like, I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> it's so wild. So I much know, on I guess screen. It, yeah, I don't. I guess it depends. It's, again, subjective. I guess it's definitely subjective. Mm-hmm. But like, it depends on like what you yeah. what impresses you. But like, I think if you look at Returnal, you would be hard pressed not to be impressed at how good it looks. How like fluid it's running yeah which is true when you nail the art style and then you also have the amount of stuff that's on screen it you can be impressed like from the technical point of view it's hard not to be impressed you definitely feel like okay this is a next gen way but like in terms of pure image quality and character models it won't blow you away like Celine's face does does not have as many polygons. Uh, what can I say? <laughs> yeah, as many polygons. 
as Neo as Ratchet as as <laughs> yeah as Neo in Unreal Engine demo or as Ratchet's fur or something sure but like I've said art style matters you've got these monsters which are obviously to an extent I guess you could say there's Lovecraftian influence but at the same time there is sort of influence from uh, Alien itself is that sort of okay. This is definitely threatening, but it also looks really cool. And Return on Nails that that plus the sound design it comes together to create this crazy atmosphere. It's very oppressive, but because your character is extremely strong but also extremely fragile, it creates this feeling of anxiety, but at the same time, it's a feeling of powerful anxiety. Like, yeah, I can handle this, but I'm also terrified of what's going to happen. So, there's not many games that evoke that sort of emotion. And Returnal does that in spades, and that alone makes me forgive some of its other misgivings. Mostly, like, the story is... You know how I say... You complain that Dark Souls, the story is too cryptic. If you play Returnal, you... Returnal makes Dark Souls seem as easy to understand as freaking GTA V. <laughs> Returnal is very cryptic, very very cryptic. Isn't it? It's got uh, bound a... in the in the respawning or something. To an extent, but not as much. No, it's not like Hades where when you die you get new details. It's not like Hades. The details are there, like in data logs. And in some very sparsely explained cutscene. The stuff is there, but even when you piece it together, it is intentionally trying to be vague. To filling with its theme like, okay, nobody really knows what's going on. At this point, I still don't know whether everything that happened in Returnal was a dream or not. And the game's been out for months. So, it's cryptic. And... That level of crypticness is a bit much for me, even me who likes Dark Souls. But I can forgive that because when I just load up Returnal, it's like, okay, I'm just going to play and go on a run. And it's hella fun. Pew, pew, pew. You're shooting stuff, dodging stuff. Just, it nails the basics. And then there's the whole, you know, it's also a roguelike. I don't like roguelikes very well, very much. Returnal does that, makes it palatable. You've got so many weapons, and your systems are risk-reward based, but they're explained really clearly. Everything, there's not much of, oh, increase this to get 1% buff, I hit, oh, plus 0.1% to this. No, no, no. Eternal, a lot of the things are more clear and concise that, oh, if you do this, this is the straight ability you get. Like, oh, you will take 4 damage if you get this. In return, you get... You get the ability to get more money. You know, it doesn't want to be vague like that. Mm. It, it, yeah. So that makes it palatable to someone like me who's not into roguelikes. So when you put it all together as a package, it's just really fun to play. And at the end of the day, mm. I, someone like me who likes gameplay a lot, that's all I need. Yeah, it very much is a gameplay 
type game considering like uh, housemark with the twin stick shooter guys i know that that first ps4 game was like people really loved that game oh i've forgotten the title but like yeah their games are like people love those games. like yeah razor gun people love those games they're like really really good gameplay wise and i remember that they had that post that they were is it that they're not making games anymore or something? They're like, oh, arcade games don't sell or something. And yes. I, I thought they were shutting down. I don't like I. <laughs> that's how I read into it. But thankfully, they came out with Eternal, which has done fairly well. And has they were they were impressed enough with it to be acquired. Yes, they were acquired. <laughs> so now they're safe. They're safe. Well, safe in corporate hands anyway. Um. And and that's that's some security. So that's there'll definitely be more of that now. And, and I think they're definitely a name that people know of. And I think they have a following. And people will be expecting more from their next game. So that would be very interesting. To see. I'm looking forward to what they do next. I almost feel like going back to buy their older games, but uh, you know, it's not happening. I wonder <laughs> if you'd be into like twin stick shooters. <laughs> I think co-op. I, I, I think, think co-op is fun, but like, like, did, were you ever into shmups? Like, did you play shmups growing up? I love shmups. No, I, I never played. I never played shmups. No. I loved shmups, man. But like, they were all shmups were were his memory, and I think the only reason I liked them is because I would play it. <laughs> Those games are short. They're like maybe two or three hours, but I believe some of the shmups I played, I probably played over a hundred hours, and they just become like. Muscle memory, and then after it becomes muscle memory, and you build the game a few, I don't know, dozen times, and you're like, okay, now let me switch it up. I know my, like, I know my winning run. Can I win with other weapons, or can I win by instead of dodging left, I'll dodge right? Like that's kind of where the fun comes in. And also, shmups mostly have really good music. They do. They do have good music. Weirdly enough, I never got into Toho. It just intimidated me. Like, <laughs> Toho just intimidated it was, me so much. It was, it was a bit much. Yes. <laughs> fair, fair. Great fan art, though. Great fan art. And great music. Okay, my number two is Life is Strange, True Colors. I still haven't beaten it. I'm about to beat it. I think. Um, oh, you actually started playing that. I, I did. did I did. Um, I love Life is Strange. I really, really do. It's honestly the first Life is Strange is one of my favorite games of all time. Straight up. Like over the years, I just I keep looking back at it and it gets better over time for me. Uh, and I think the even appreciation of it has gotten like the fandom is quite large now. I'm, very shocked um it's a big like ip you know um and this was the first 60 dollar life is strange like all the chapters came out at once which is good i guess for accessibility sort of or making it feel like a big game i think it's good for that but even the way like when i finished chapter one i stopped because these games are really heavy man like (laughs) You know, like, they're so emotionally heavy, especially Life is Strange 2. That game took me a year to beat because it was just too much. Like, um, 
like Last of Us 2 too much. You know, where you're like, oof. Um, so that breaking it down into chapters helps. And the writing is very good. Because this is by Deck 9. Uh, these are the guys who did Before the Storm. Which, I it's the spin-off one. I liked that one because they had a lead character who was unlikable. And they made it work. You know, they actually made it work. Uh, Alex Chen, the new protagonist, is a really, really cool character. She's... There's no other way to explain what she is except cool. Like, if you're into the indie scene, if you like A24 movies, if you, <laughs> if you like indie rock, you know exactly what I mean by the cool girl. Not the, not the manic pixie dream girl, but like the cool one. She's that. And uh, one of the biggest criticisms of the older Life is Strange games was that they felt like um, millennial or Gen Z lives written by like 40-year-old French dudes. And I think that Mm -hmm. uh, this game rectifies a lot of that. It does feel like it was written by at least a couple zoomers or something or they passed it through them like does this sound out of touch and they're like no this is zoomer humor they're like, okay cool so it doesn't feel weird anymore thank goodness i I, th- I think that that weird writing has some charm to it in the original life is strange one of my favorite lines is still go fuck yourself that is such a good line in context of what that game is about <laughs> uh, and that's sort of missing here uh, but it's more authentic and the gameplay mechanic of because Life is Strange has like a supernatural thing the supernatural thing in this one in the first games it was like she could rewind time in this one is that she can see emotions and like um, feel them when she connects with someone uh, and that is added into the story and everything and the characters are all really well written it hooks you in from like the first point they use the they've upgraded the engine so it actually looks really good like it like i'm like playing on max settings on my pc like it doesn't even hit 60 fps because like there's a lot of detail <laughs> um it, it's, it's it actually looks really really good like all the rooms have like a lot of stuff you know, because it's just like an exploration adventure game type thing. Um, so like, there's a lot of detail in everything, um, and the facial animations, which are very important for this kind of game, are well done. I feel like this might be the first game where they've used mocap, because the previous ones, if they did use mocap, then it was really bad mocap. But this one, like, at least the <laughs> the, the movement feels more. There's some production value, you know. It's not as indie gameish as it used to be. It feels like a big game. So, yeah, man, like, Life is Strange, it's a game that, weirdly enough, I always thought, hey, man, someone who's never played games, let them play Life is Strange. Every new person who have, like, played Life is Strange with hates it. They all hate Life is Strange. I don't know why. I I, I don't get it. Like, (laughs) they all don't like it. Other games, yeah. I mean, look, there's reasons. I, I don't know. I feel like it's very, I feel like it's like a movie, like a... It's like an indie movie, you know, like, and there's not like, you don't have to be like good at like using a controller or mouse and keyboard. It's mostly just talking. So I'm like, this is like a good entry level, but 
it never worked for some reason. Why why do you think it doesn't work? Like why why does it work? Uh okay, look, there's one thing. The millennial 40-year-old thing makes it kind of cringe. <laughs> and if you're not a gamer and and your first game is cringe, you're kind of unprepared. Okay, fair. That's a fair point. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Cringe is good though. Embrace the cringe. Embrace the cringe. In moderation. In moderation. <laughs> yeah, so life is strange. True colors. Play it if you can. It's fantastic. That's my number two. I need to play True Colors eventually. I, I like Life is Strange. I played before the storm for achievements, but I never like I was barely paying attention and actually playing it. Oh man! And what did you I think about the? Too. Oh, there's something in before the storm that I, 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 it's hard to explain unless you played it. But like, there's a gameplay narrative thing there which is fucking awesome. The play. What did you think about the play? The fact that you choose your lines and you have to remember them. Like you as Robin has to remember the lines, and then even if you mess up the lines, like you're improvising and it's, it's, it's affecting the characters and the story and the crowd. Maybe you didn't pay enough attention to know like what was going on, but there was a lot going on there. I, I remember, and the only emotion that is coming back to me now is that it was cringe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, another one, another one before the storm that I think uh, will make you understand some of the gameplay stuff in this one. The D and D, the fact that you were like improvising, you were role playing, like it, it was role playing. Because I've played that segment many okay, times I, with different, like, choosing, like, different things to say. And it it changes the D&D game. Okay, I can't remember that part. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, for people who like to say, oh, man, I like life is strange, but I'm not in love with it. But okay. Yeah, like, just, just to say, like, a lot of people are like, oh, these games is just like a movie. What Deck Nine does with the choices, like they really add, they they add a lot of gameplay stuff to the choices. So like they they may not have like the ending has changed because you chose this. Maybe it doesn't have that stuff. But the that little segment of you know that that thirty minutes of dialogue and stuff you do within that thirty minutes drastically changes based on what you say. And I think that's super cool. Right. My third. Number one, it was alphabetical order. I'll keep saying that. Shin Megami Tensei Five. Mm. So it was a game I've really been looking forward to. I actually bought a Switch partially for this game. Like when I was buying a Switch, the two deciding factors were this game, yes, Shin Megami Tensei Five, and Bayonetta Three. So the fact that only one of them has come out. I think like four years after Switch, you know, <laughs> kind of you know, shows a lack of foresight. Wait, in did they announce my decision Shin Megami Tensei beforehand? Because what I know is like Shin Megami Tensei has been on like all the consoles and like it's like Russian Roulette which console to show up on next. So did you know it was going to be on the Switch? Was it announced? Yes, when it was announced, it was announced for Switch only. Okay. Because 4 was on 3DS. Yeah, and I know like two was on like a PSP, PS2 or something. Two was on the SNES. Damn. Yeah, that old. But yeah, anyway, 
But I've been really looking forward to this game, and for the most part, it has it's it's delivered in what I wanted. It's given me everything I wanted because I also played SMT4 and Nocturne. Nocturne as SMT3. I played them for the first time earlier this year. So similar to Metroid, I kind of kind of like oh, so I've got an idea of what to expect. I can see the evolution of the franchise. I can compare, and I like those games. And similarly, I like this one. It does a lot of what. First of all, it's uh, SMT3. You know, in some game series, there will always be that one title whose shadow is always hanging over other titles in the series. Yeah. Well, he's going to compare Persona Four. So for no, no, Persona doesn't have one of those. Really? You don't think Persona Four is the one? Nah, not really. Persona, the, the trilogy. I'm sorry, P1 and 2, but the trilogy of P to 5 is seen sort of in level terms. But not with SMT. SMT Nocturne. Nocturne was a lot of people's first SMT because it was like the first SMT that came to the West. Ah, okay. So it's FF7 type thing. Yeah, it dominated the discourse. And then on top of that, it's a hipster game. It has heavy focus on minimalism. It was hard and difficult, so you know hipsters gravitated to it. So a lot of people say oh, it's the greatest game of all time, but only for us who played it in secret. You know, <laughs> it's got that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's the reputation it has, and four received a lot of backlash for being different. Of course, as the years have gone by, a lot of people have warmed up to four, and a lot say it's better than three. But yeah, SMT three has that reputation. And the devs clearly took that into account with 5. Because 5 in, is in a lot of ways a very pandering game towards fans of 3. That's why they released the remaster of 3 this year ahead of the release of 5. In a lot of ways it feels like when they got SMT3, said let's try and make it big. <laughs> Unfortunately, some there's some missteps there. I'll get to those. But you see a lot of like story-wise, there's some uh, elements. You know, the SMT games are kind of disjointed. So, but five still there's a multiverse in SMT. But five kind of like pays homage or follows after sequences which kind of relate to how three ended. Mm. So already there, it's a direct sequel. The music style is much more oppressive. And somber, you can tell like the style of the music and the art style, character design is kind of meant to evoke three. Part of the reason three's main character, the demi fiend, is so iconic is because he just literally looks cool. His design is just cool. And with five's main character, the Nahobino, his character design, his whole function is literally just to look cool. He's got long wavy hair, a laser sword. Nobody remembers SMT4's Protax, but Fives, he was a big fan favorite. And you can tell that a lot of the design language is obviously evoked from SMT3. So, those are the sort of things where you can say, yeah, it panders to SMT3 in a lot of ways. Some things ring hollow, like SMT3, like I said, is very minimalistic, and... 
a big part of its focus is that even though you're a key player in the story, you definitely have to side with certain people. And those people's uh, motivations are implied and kind of abstract. That was part of, as I say, SMT3 is very hipster, mm. abstract concept, minimalism. That rings hollow in SMT5 because instead of coming off as minimalistic, the characters come off as underwritten. It's like, oh, these characters could have d- done with a bit more exposition or some more screen time. It feels like, oh, they don't have much going on. So that's kind of the main flaw with SMT5. But what it does get right is something it gets right carries over from SMT4 because it's still a sequel to SMT4. That's the gameplay. As far as turn-based JRPGs go, SMT5 is really polished. It There's no brainless press A to attack, no. Everything comes together. Everything is very systematic from your preparation, your party composition. SMT feels like you're really in control of your battles. You, the fusion process, you know, collecting demons, fusing demons, all of that is... It's all great fun. Going into battle is great fun. Uh, bosses, you have to think. You actually have to think with your bosses. There's an MP economy. That's what that's what most SMT fans call it. It's the MP economy. With the magic. Using skill. Yeah, your skills to use your magic and whatever. It's it's not like FF or other turn-based RPGs where MP, you know, using spells is relatively cost-effective. No, here, we're expected to burn your MP fast because skills cost a lot. Burn your MP fast and then you swap out your party members. So there's some sort of dynamism. So because of that, your party composition matters because you can't spec just to carry out, just to do one type of fight. You kind of have to have weaknesses to cover each other and then at the same time you'll be managing your resources and swapping out it creates a very dynamic system that's very satisfying when you're able to get past a whole boss or a whole sequence and there's not many games that get this right apart from smt and five just does that to the best it's ever done and the main new thing is that in this game the areas are kind of open not open world but like big zones there's not many dungeons the dungeons actually kind of suck So you've got these open zones where you explore, uh, pick up collectibles. There's not many collectibles. That's part of what makes the collectibles feel valuable because there's not many types. There's only three types. Treasure chests, uh, these little animal pickups, and and like uh, money, basically. uh, Items to resell for money. So it makes your exploration feel valuable because it's so little it matters and it directly helps you gives you permanent boosts to whatever you're trying to to whatever you're trying to do with your party the game a lot of the gameplay every a lot of decisions feel meaningful that's part of what makes it so fun makes it so rewarding and so fun to play so it's mostly like um, the turn-based battle stuff that you're there for and then the uncovering these characters is like storylines and motivations and 
so and stuff like that. Like that's mostly the main. Like that's if yeah. you to like um, be reductive about it, that would be like the main appeal of the SMT games. And I guess I would say its vibe. Yeah, it's the main, it's like its general vibe is it's different. <laughs> Yeah, that that's the thing. Yes, the atmosphere in SMT5 is different from most other games. It's kind of like main story is super serious, but you know when you're talking with the demons and negotiating, it's got it's got dark humor to it, dark adultish humor, which you don't get elsewhere. But like yeah, the core is here's the turn-based gameplay, but all the systems built around it just come together really well. Because part of the gameplay is also the exploration that aids it. Then you also have the fusion. Fusion is always really fun. I love. I fusion. forgot that SMT is the one where you negotiate with the enemies. <laughs> Undertale style, yes, right? You uh, not exactly, because here you're negotiating for them to join you. To join your party. Yeah. Well, Undertale, you're negotiating for them to just leave you alone. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So all of that it comes together to just make a really rewarding experience, and then of course the music is amazing. Please SMT Five soundtrack, just go look it up on YouTube. It's really good. It's really good music. It's a good mix of distorted bass, like break your ear type bass, and then there's also lots of rock style music. It's really good. Now for sure. I mean, it's definitely. It's it's one of those games that I know like is one hundred percent not for me because of the aesthetic, because of the minimalist style, and just from what I've seen, I'm like this is definitely not for me. But I I have always respected it, <laughs> like always. It's one of those where you're like, yep, I'm never gonna play that, but I can see why people like it. Well, that's why, like I've said, you know, for most people who can't respect the aesthetic, that's what Persona is there for. But you don't like Persona, you? No, I just haven't had a chance to get into it. I, I finally got Persona Four on PC, so I'm gonna be playing that after I'm done with my 2021 games. So that's. <laughs> I actually like. I actually sure, really like the Persona Four anime. Like I, I liked it a lot. Like a lot, a lot, a lot. And I know a lot of the people who played Persona 4 were like, this is like a tip of the iceberg, dude. And I'm like, man, if this is the tip of the iceberg, then I am in for a great time, you know? <laughs> the Persona 4 anime is, is funny. <laughs> it is, it's very funny. <laughs> it kind funny, of gained, yeah. gained its status via memes. The main, the actual game has, is, is really different, but it's like, it's a good way to get in. You know, I get that they gave you Narukami a very like, cause cause it's you, right? Like you make the the, the decisions and stuff. So I, I guess it's gonna really affect how I respond to the characters, cause he's very uh, deadpan in the anime. <laughs> okay, yeah, um, that's an interesting number one of three alphabetical order, etc. Um, and uh, just. As a little uh, plug, we did get a chance to speak to one of the people who worked on Shin Megami Tensei on our previous podcasts, the one about uh, translations and, and uh, localization. Uh, so you should uh, give that a, a listen if you, if you can. It was, it was really fun. All right. For your number one, my game. number one game is absolutely not a surprise to anyone. 
Although, considering how delayed games have disappointed most people recently, I, I think everyone is holding their breath like, is this gonna be good? And man, oh man, oh man, Halo Infinite was everything that I hoped it would be, and more, to be honest, and more. I, I, it, it feels like Halo 1, 2, and 3 with some additions from 4 and some of 5 that made them, that, like the good stuff from 4 and 5 uh, is in there, both in the multiplayer and in the single player. I'll start with the multiplayer because as someone who grew up playing Halo multiplayer, like it's, um, I've spent thousands of hours playing Halo, the different iterations of Halo multiplayer over the years. So I know what that game feels. I could play it in my sleep. I could play that game dozing. I have done that recently. I have played Halo Infinite dozing and won. Like that's how much that game is in my DNA. Uh, and like I played Halo Infinite. I plugged in the controller. I swapped it to legacy controls. And I was like, this is Halo 3. Let's go. You know, like it, it, it felt like that, but better. Like the, the addition of the, um, the little sprint because you couldn't sprint in Halo Three, um, but it's not as bad as the Halo Four sprint in multiplayer. Uh, you can still slide, which is a, a new addition, but it's not like um, war running or anything. So you've got maneuver, you can maneuver and stuff like that, but it's not like ridiculous. It still feels like a battle arena type you know shooter um it's not a twitch based shooter multiple like in the multiplayer like you don't die if you're shot first uh, there's actually even like a little achievement thingy that pops up every time you kill someone after they shot you first because it's very possible to just kill someone who shot you you start shooting at the back you turn around you jump slide whatever use your hook shots or anything you have at your disposal and you can win those fights and i think that makes it fair for players like me who are not I'm not good at pushing the buttons I'm not as fast as as the younguns you know <laughs> but I can outsmart you on the battlefield like with my with my uh, equipment and stuff and my movement so I'm, I'm I I love that um, uh, the hookshot man I can't think of any game that has a hookshot and doesn't so change everything about that game the hookshot is an absolute game changer. Like it really is. It's it's and the stuff that I've seen people do it. I didn't even know like you could hook weapons. To, you can hook the seeds. You can hook the flag. Goodness, um, just so much stuff you can do with that. What a great addition. Uh, something that I think is going to be expected in every Halo from this point on. If they'll even make another Halo, considering it's called Infinite, maybe they'll just be adding to this one or well, given where the story goes that as well um which i guess i'll segue into the single player which i binged over like three days and i did everything i did everything in halo infinite single player i did every single thing that you could do in that game except the skulls i don't know where all the skulls are but i did everything i i i i didn't think i would enjoy the open world bs but i i I guess it was it was 
my favorite Far Cry game. The last Far Cry game I played was four. I doubled in five, and I was like, eh, I don't, I'm not feeling it. If you like Far Cry stuff, this has Far Cry. St- it's not as good as Far Cry in being a Far Cry game, but it does f- feel like that. If you if you played Far Cry, you know exactly what I mean. <laughs> um, the man, it's gorgeous. It looks really good. It looks absolutely astonishing. Um, uh, I locked it to 60 FPS on my PC and it runs so well, so smooth. It looks amazing. Um, the weapon is such a great character. Such a great character. She's so good. Um, I love her. She's so she's good. Like, she's amazing. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd say the only drawback, the only things I'd say which were not good about Halo Infinite story was that its main antagonist was like. A cartoon character like he felt so out of place because he was like i'm evil and he's like okay here's like some cool character moments and then here's this guy who pops up and he's like i'm evil it's like okay sure <laughs> um but yeah like each the um the chief has some good moments some good quiet moments uh the weapon has is sassy but also um can be emotional and quiet and there's something that happens towards the end game that made me go oh this is you know i felt some tension there and i was like okay okay um the music is really good uh adding a lot of stuff from the first three games and like sort of remixing remixing them and like just it's it's a love letter to what halo was um it's very much a Force Awakens, you know, like if you were a Star Wars fan and you watched Force Awakens, like that feeling of it almost felt like you like this is this must have been what it felt like to watch Star Wars for the first time, and that's what Halo Infinite is like. I think if you've never played a Halo, this jump jump into Infinite because the feelings it will give you are the exact feelings that we had when we played Combat Evolved for the first time. The multiplayer, the single player, everything. It really does feel like that. I can't wait for the co-op to come in for the campaign. Uh, that's going to make it way more fun as well. It's Man, Halo is really good. Halo is, I'm so glad that Halo is back at the top where it belongs as a big game. It was really losing its uh, prestige. But I think that now that people have played it, the decision to make the multiplayer free-to-play was bold and I think a risk but I think it showed that they were like, if we get this into people's hands, they'll get it. They'll understand why this is good. And it's happening. And that's amazing. So, yeah. Halo Infinite, man. Good ass game. Good pick. Good pick. I liked Halo. No, I, I, I liked it quite a lot. I think it's my favorite of the Halo campaigns. Because honestly, I'm really here for the campaign, not the multiplayer. Yeah. But yeah only issue i have with it is you know kind of how it hand waved some stuff from halo 5 <laughs> you know they were so desperate to backtrack you know exactly what i'm talking about yeah they just kind of it just kind of doesn't exist really it's like that game just did have <laughs> i mean the stuff in the logs yeah. the audio logs um, yeah but even then <laughs> yeah. but yeah gameplay wise it it's so fun to play it's like really fun to play and also the music 
you know, it's the Halo, the Halo theme, not the chanting. The chanting of the Halo theme sucks. The actual best part of the Halo theme is right after the chanting. <laughs> if the chanting doesn't make you feel things, then there's something wrong with you. No, for real. There's some, there's, there's moments in the game where like the the theme came on, and I was like, I literally like put the controller down and clapped. And I was like, oh, here we fucking go. Like I, I, I didn't expect it, and I was like, this is cool. This is cool as shit, man. Like this is, this is really cool. Uh, it, I haven't had that feeling in a very long time. The game I was like, man, this is this is awesome. <laughs> like yeah, it was it was really good, and it's. Honestly, it's just fun to play. I played all of the campaign on Heroic, and it's kind of hard. But like, I played it like that because I'm 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 good at Halo. Um, so there's there's stuff there, man. Like it's, it's it's a good gameplay game. Even if like you're not into the story, the gameplay is very good. Yeah, true, true. So yeah, I guess those were our top games for 2021. Um, I think it was a very good year. If I had the opportunity to play them, I would have played Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I would have played... I want to play two. Yeah. Um, there's Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I've got Chikori on my on my two playlists. I've heard so much about that. Village. It takes two, which I tried to play with Robin, but didn't realize that you need PS Plus. <laughs> Ah. Ah, ah. It's an H. It's ah. an H. We actually like. Lo- I was literally in the game. Like, let's go, dude. <laughs> and it's like, oh, need PS Plus. Like, damn. Okay. You know, I actually might get PS Plus in that game because, like, because I'm a big Joseph Harris fan. Um, I think that um, uh, Brothers is like if if someone came to me and said Brothers is the best game ever made, I would not argue with them. I think it's that good. I think it's like an absolute classic. That's how highly I read Brothers. Um, and It Takes Two has resonated with more people than Brothers did, so it must be really, really good then, uh, considering how highly I read Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. So I, I definitely want to play that. I want to play Hitman 3. I, I want to try Deathloop. I'm curious. I've got a feeling I would absolutely hate it. But I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about that. Oh, Forgotten City is also on my on my uh, playlist. So yeah, Forgotten City. Um, I think that is pretty much it for games I'm, I, I would have played. Uh, but didn't get a chance to. I think, uh, yeah, those are the ones. What, what about you, Robin? Or did you get to play everything that Just you wanted Guardians. to play? Just Guardians? Just Guardians. Yeah. If I'm being honest with myself. I'm glad Guardians is uh, has got good word of mouth. And that my... The first time I saw that full game thing, I was like, this is Mass Effect. And everyone was like, don't be an idiot. Because they just hate... They hated it. They hated that game because of the way it looked. Or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> but... but uh, I'm glad it's good. Because because it was attached to very badly. I guess so. I guess so. And they did market the hell out of it. And people were like, we don't want to see this thing. <laughs> it's, su- it's suffered Avengers. Thing. Yeah, also well, Avengers. Know, literally, everybody I know is saying the same thing about Guardians. Guys, look, I know you're burnt up by Avengers, but don't listen to them. 
this game is not like Avengers. It's actually good. And so many people are saying that, that I'm at the point where I literally have to believe them. So I have no choice. I'll have to play it eventually. I'm, I'm waiting for a sale or Game Pass or something. I don't think it's going to be on Game Pass anytime soon, considering how successful it is. It's actually selling very, very well. Um, so I'll, I'll wait for some sort of sale or something to, before I, I play it. But yeah, 2021, yeah. a good year for di- like diverse kind of games. Um, I, I'm i sure next year will be bigger for like more bigger, bigger type AAA type games. Um, we didn't mention Forza, which uh, a lot of, is a lot of people's game of the year and a lot of publications game of the year, which is refreshing. I think IGN gave it game of the year. I think um, so. That's you know that's cool. You, you know, while we're still here, be, before we go, I guess we should just briefly touch upon you know, Forza Horizon Five has got like the fourth most game of the year picks this year. Nice. It's like you know, it's unfortunate. I don't, never made it to Geoff Keighley's show, but I think most people have. You know, it's getting the recognition deserved. It is, it is. Uh, another thing that I remember when I sounded like a madman, man, in my tweets, like, hey guys, the guys who are making this new Fable game, Playground Games, they're like, Metacritic average is some ridiculous, like, 98 or some shit like that. <laughs> like, these guys know how to make video games. <laughs> I think they might be the most prolific studio. I think that's possible. Like all their games are like just absolute up there. bangers. Yep. What's uh, what's the what's there, the yeah. other three? Well, like since four says four, what's three? Uh, Deathloop, uh, Village, and then it takes two is on top. Wow, Village. Okay, okay, interesting. Village is like a game that's like a crowd pleaser, you know. Yeah, that's why Village has got most uh, the most readers' choice. Okay. I mean, I'm glad. Forza is also popular. Fort- yeah. But media outlets, it takes to, is like way ahead. Village and Deathloop actually level on media outlets, but Village pulls ahead by like 10 because of Reader's Choice. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that Resivo is, is as... It's, I think it's the biggest it's ever been, you know? Like, in terms of like plaudits and media coverage and and, and, and stuff like that, in like games wise, I think it's yeah it's doing very well. I'm very very happy for the franchise in that respect. Very very happy for that. True. 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 Okay, that's interesting. Uh, I mean the. Considering how like how diverse there's a racing game, there's a co-op family game, there's a horror game in first person, and what's the other one? Uh, Deathloop. Deathloop and a, and an immersive sim roguelike. That's so very. I think the problem is that most people who play that one type of game don't play the other type of game. So it really feels like yeah, there was just true. one game for you this year. You know what I mean? Like there was just one game. Like maybe you're just the res like Resident Evil was the only game that failed to 
good and big for you because the others are just just don't care about racing or immersive sims or co-op family like you just don't care about that stuff it's very possible and then with returnal there was which is it's also like a roguelike oh, not a twin stick sh- shmup type thing you know like it's very niche <laughs> uh, with metroid dread it's a metroidvania which i guess are like mainstream now but still like it's still kind of niche it's not like it's not an action adventure game you know yeah. yeah i hope that diversity continues into the next years uh, the years to come i really hope so we shall see next year is gonna be a blockbuster year what is the game you're looking forward to the most next year just one putting you in the spot just one game <laughs> elden ring come on man come on man does that even count as next year is that like a january release or something february february it's very close and you played it already right? i played the beta yes for me it's after they backtracked it's stalker 2 i am very oh, much yeah, looking forward to playing some stalker 2 don't look up any news on Stalker 2. Nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. Uh, just keep looking forward to Stalker 2. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Alright, guys. Um, that was our final episode for 2021. It's been a hell of a year for us. Um, uh, it's, we've had some really outstanding episodes thanks for listening thanks for giving us feedback um i'm very much looking forward to recording next year um lots of games uh, i'm definitely gonna play more because i'm now settled and i understand my timetable <laughs> a lot more um i think even robin and i understand our timetables as well for recording and stuff so that's gonna be even we're, we're pretty consistent this year. I'm very proud of that. I'm very, very proud of that. Even like the Nedotaku team was like, you guys have been pretty consistent this year. I'm like, yeah, we work hard. We're committed. Uh, <laughs> it was it was really good. We got to talk to some really cool people, which still blows my mind, to be honest. Um, and yeah, it's looking forward to next year. Any final words, Robin? It's, it's been fun. And hope hopefully there's more to talk about next year even more games to play that's all there is to say yeah hopefully hopefully we we won't be talking about a blockchain game as game of the year for next year or more delays (laughs) all right guys thanks for listening